I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. at it and we're what we're three maybe even four episodes in um we're four we're about sorry we're about four episodes four Knicks episodes in since the Yankee season has started yet we're still talking about how the Knicks are more exciting right now and that's getting a little concerning. It's exciting as a Knicks fan. But as a Yankees fan, it's getting a little more concerning by the day. This team just continues. And we're talking Knicks tonight. But this Yankees team just continues to disappoint you. It's a little scary. Because we started it out. You know, they lost that first series to uh, the Jays. The first time. And, you know some point during that series, I had a Knicks episode as well. And I was joking. I was like, hey, technically the Knicks are on pace to make the playoffs and the Yankees are not. And again, here we are about four episodes in since the Yankees have started. Um, the fourth Knicks episode since the Yankees have started. If you can follow me here. And we're still making that joke. And I'm, and I'm hoping that like it doesn't come. I mean, I want both teams to make the playoffs. But wow. Do the Yankees look really, really bad? And like I said in episode 231, our previous episode where we did discuss Yankees, it's okay to be concerned. Right? As I crack my elbows. It's okay to be concerned because this is a team who's supposed to be, you know, one with World Series aspirations. And to start the season, not only 5-6, and six, but 5-6 and six versus you know, three teams who you usually should be able to handle, at least the Jays twice and the Baltimore Orioles. Okay, those teams have taken up seven of these 10 games or 11 now. Eight of these 11 games have been against the O's and the Jays. Two teams who are improving, the Jays in particular especially, but you should be able to, to do better than this. So that concerns me. But we will get to them. Actually, as you are listening to this podcast, I am probably watching the Yankees because it's a one o'clock game, taking notes, getting ready for the podcast tonight. Because um, as I'm recording, it is Tuesday, April 13th. We're talking Knicks. But as you are listening, it is Wednesday the 14th, which will be the same night we start recording the Yankees episode because their series uh, completes tomorrow or today as you're listening. So welcome everybody to the podcast. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And this is episode 233. See, I'm even losing track. That's how far we've gotten, man. I want to say 233. No, 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 232. 233 will be the Yankees, but 232 tonight. 
We are discussing the Knicks, breaking down their most recent play. Um, yeah, I, I hope everybody's having a good week. Um, it is <laughs> it's the beginning of the week slash middle, but we're getting there. And um, as as these weekends go by, we're getting closer and closer to what two sixty something. I don't know to the big UFC, uh, the big card coming up with Masvidal and Usman going at it again on a full camp. That's going to be awesome. And we're also getting closer to this Ben Askren fight, which I think might be this weekend, actually. Um, Askren versus, you know, Playboy. Oh, man. I You know what? I've never been... A lot of people haven't been big Ben Askren fans, but I like him. Now, I've been introduced to him through this, to be honest with you. I've never been a fan of him, not because I dislike him like most did, but just because I didn't know who he was um, until I started hearing about him a ton um, once they announced that he would be fighting, you know, Playboy. So, that's going to be interesting. I mean, as a matter of fact, let me check. I want to see when this... I'm pretty sure it's this weekend. Ben Askren versus Paul. April 17th. Okay, so that's a week from now. All right, so next weekend, right? <laughs> I got my shit mixed up. So today's the 13th. Actually, yeah, okay, so the 14th is a Wednesday. Oh, no, it's this weekend. Yeah, you know, it's this weekend. Askren versus Paul, 9 o'clock p.m. is when the main card starts Saturday. Okay. I mean, I'm hoping he wins, Askren. I, I think... He's not much of a boxer, but he's fighting Jake Paul. Jake Paul isn't a boxer either. He's had two fights under his belt. When are we going to stop pretending like he's a, a professional? Um, I think Askren... Dude, I, I've seen clips of Askren. Don't get me wrong. I'm not claiming myself to be an expert, but he, he's got a chin. This dude can take a punch with the best of them. He's tough, and if he can he, if he can last... I think that's, that's going to be the key here. If he can just last... What is it, 10 rounds in boxing with Paul? If he could just th take a few blows, I think he's set. I really want to see, because this trash talk and this kid's getting so cocky. It's You could, you could just tell the, the, the difference in swagger. You have you have one who's who's got the swagger, who's got swagger, and the other who's just cocky. Like, like Askren's got confidence as a pro who's been there before. Paul's just riding behind internet ego and his, you know, 16-year-old Gen Z fanboys and girls. <laughs> and he's it was the most the, the the weakest, most pathetic attempt at um I guess dissing Askrim when we I was watching the press the uh the presser and when he when he fucking FaceTimed Masvidal midway through that thing, like, just to get help uh, on dissing. Like, what the fuck? And I like Masvidal. But dude's a bit of a sellout. I mean, it's, it's like, really, you're gonna go for him? And I get it. You know, Masvidal's not gonna go for, not gonna be on Askren's side. The dude fucking need him. Five seconds into that one fight, that lucky knee that Askren keeps talking about. But, um, yeah. I'm hoping Askren kicks his fucking ass. Um, just goes to show where boxing is headed, though, dude. Really, I mean, this is what 
these fights, the Nate Robinson thing, the Tyson versus Evander. I mean, that, that it's really headed in a piss poor direction. I just don't like the, the whole money grabbing aspect it's become. Well, it's a good thing. Uh, like I said, this big UFC card is not too far away. I can't believe we are already in mid-April, dude. That's so fucking sad. Shit flies. It really does fly when you get older. April 21, 2021, mid-April, man. Like the new year. I'm still trying to adjust to the new year from 2020. I'm sure everybody is. Holy shit. All right. Um. Yeah, let's... Let's get to the Knicks soon. Um, I was watching the game the other day. It's just laughing my ass off because I I always love the banter between Clyde and and and, and uh, Breen, but Clyde just randomly goes throughout the the telecast, asks uh, Breen if he has any tattoos. I'm like, dude, what? Do you have any tattoos I don't know about, Mike? I'm like, what the fuck? The um, they were talking about something, and then Bream like brought up like, Clyde was like, "Oh, blah blah blah," and I passed by this weed shop or whatever, Weed World, and Bream was like, "You passed by, huh?" It's just they're they're just so fucking, they're really good to watch. They're so fun. I enjoy watching MSG so much more, and I'm sorry to keep bringing it up and hitting on them, but or or for lack of a better word, I guess. Like, criti uh, critiquing that, but I, I am so much... Like, I love watching MSG. Like, I like I like Breen. I like Clyde. Um, those two are great together. But, watching Yes, that can be a chore. That can be a big chore. Um, now, you know, who cares about me? I'm some idiot with an opinion. I'm sure their ratings are fine. But, I'm just saying from my perspective... That can be a chore. <laughs> I can't. You, you've all heard me rant on this shit. You know. The I I just I don't want to I don't want to get into it again, but I do like listening to Clyde and to uh, to Breen. Great duo, best duo in the game. All right, uh, so the Knicks. Picked up a, a three-game sweep on their homestand. Uh, we discussed that Grizzlies performance with the, the big game from R.J. Barrett down the stretch. We discussed that in episode 231, or 230, the last Knicks episode we did. That was the second game of that uh, two-game episode recap. So um, tonight we're discussing the Raptors game. We're going to break that down a bit, and we're going to analyze the Lakers game. So those were the final two games in this homestand. Beat both, uh, beat both of those teams, and ended up sweeping the homestand. So that was good. Three games in a row, finally after that little losing skid we were on, dropping games to teams that we should not have been dropping games to. But we pick it up. We get a Grizzlies team fighting for a Western Conference spot. We defeat them. We get a struggling Toronto Raptors team. And most recently, we get a beaten up, injured Lakers team. And we handle them. So, Knicks take three in a row. 
Hopefully they can finally get that fourth win in a row. It seems like they've... I don't, I don't think they have one. I, for some reason, I feel like they had a five-game winning streak earlier in the season. But I may be wrong because a lot of people are talking about trying to get to this first four-game winning streak. So maybe I'm wrong. But um, yeah, we're going to head to our first break. Uh, but before we do, um, guys, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, this is BD4 where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis, uh, be sure to subscribe right now. You can sub to us on, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, all those feeds, um, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, Anchor, um, and many more. To get all those, you know, to subscribe to the podcast on all, on all those platforms, um, to follow me on social media, uh, to follow along and subscribe to the blog that I write on the Yankees and Knicks. All that stuff, all that information, if you want to find all that, just go to my link tree. It'll take you right there if you go to my link tree. Uh, that is linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Once again, that is linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. That is my link tree. My link tree linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, obviously, if you are new here, please subscribe. But if you are somebody who's returned and you like listening to me or watching me, thank you. Thank you for coming back. I don't get many people at all tuning into these, but I do appreciate it immensely. Um, Yeah. That's it for the open. I don't think I have anything else to discuss. I think we could just go ahead and, and get right into this thing. Um, yeah, Knicks pick up two vict- uh, three victories in a row. The Yanks can't find that consistency, man. They just just aren't finding that consistency. <laughs> so. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to do something. Um, trying to check my email really quick. Really quick. Some shit going on with class. Huh. That's awesome. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, good. Okay. Yeah, so I uh, I finished up my quarantine on Saturday. This past Saturday. So finally able to leave the house again. Um, fortunately, I never had any symptoms. The, the As far as it went, was some slight cold. And I, I, might, you know, I lost some tastes and senses for a day. But that was it. I never felt sick. I always felt fine. So that was the positive. Um... But I, uh, the quarantine is over. Uh, I can finally go back out of the house, and that is huge. Uh, I went to class on Monday. It felt so good to get out. But, like, the professor I had, <laughs> the guy says he only had a couple hours to sleep. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to leave early tonight. <laughs> no. It was good, though. It was just good to get out of the house. I was hoping it would be I'd be out of the house a little longer. But it's good to get out of the house. Alright, let's let's get to break.
enough ranting. Um, when we get back, you know, we'll discuss this Raptors game really quick, and then we'll we'll hit on the uh, the LA Lakers win. Um, where the Knicks prevailed at the Garden, at the Garden for the third game of the um, this homestand, the third and final game before we head back out on the road to play the Pelicans. All right, bear it back, guys. Let's get to the plug. Hey, fellas. So really quick, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media, even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. 102 to 96 is when the Knicks took that is uh how the Knicks took that victory by a six point margin. Um yeah, it was a good win for them. It was a good solid win against a team who pulverized them last time out. If you can remember, I'm pretty sure the last time they played was that early January game on New Year's. Um, where the Raptors just destroyed us. The Knicks, I've never seen a team miss as many threes as they did in that game. Um, it was ugly. It was really bad that game. But that was a different team, right? Obviously, that was a completely different team. Um, the Knicks, since then, have turned it around, and they are looking really sharp. Um, but this game, this this game against the Raptors, is the second time the two teams have met this year. And the Knicks did a really good job um, prevailing. They... they so their successes in this one were, you know, built off the usual. Um, they played great defense, and Julius Randle led the charge with 26 points, eight rebounds, and five assists. You know their usual mo. Um, and the defense held Toronto to just 96 points, 42% from the floor, 32% from three-point distance, and taking. You know they they made Pascal Siakam a non-factor. I think that was huge. Um, especially in that first half, he was a non-factor. But overall, he still finished the game only 5 for 18. So that was big. Um, but you get the first quarter right out of the gate. The Knicks playing excellent defense, uh, holding Toronto to only 16 points in that first period. Just 24% from the floor. Uh, the Knicks constantly attacking the pick and roll early. Pressuring the ball handler by using that screener's defender. Um... And, you know, getting the ball handler to dribble into some vulnerable scenarios and positions. So, you know, and we'll get into that scheme a bit later. But the Knicks, you know, doing that, forcing turnovers, pushing the pace and getting out in transition, uh, creating some easy looks for us at the rim by doing that. You know, you had that Reggie steal and slam off the inbound early. Um, you had that shocking <laughs> two-man break with Alfred Payton and R.J. Barrett sharing the ball with each other. Um and then you had Randall playing bully ball, uh, distributing a ton too. And, you know, after one period, the Knicks um, up 11 points. So it was a strong start to this one. Second quarter comes, and they, they pretty much keep doing what they were doing. Uh, Randall keeps it going. He finishes with 18 first-half points. Uh, and again, the defense took Siakam out of the game. He was just 1 for 11 in that first half. Um, and so the Knicks went into the break up 56 to 42. Um pretty comfortable lead, right? But third quarter from hell. 
again, reappears. Um, I don't know what it is, but here it is again. Um, the Knicks were dominating the paint pretty early. They were looking good. Then they hit the then they hit a pair of threes. I think RJ and Bullock connected on a pair of threes to put them up 18 points early in the third quarter. Back and forth for a bit. Then there's a leak in the roof at MSG. There's a leak in the roof. And I kind of took that leak in the roof as a bad omen. I just, I don't know what, it, I just had a bad feeling that that was like a sign of, of hellfire coming down on them. And sure enough, it kind of was. You know, the Raptors go on this insane 40-15 to 15 run, bridging from that third quarter into the fourth. You had Gary Trent looking like he was on his way to another one of those ridiculous performances like he had against Cleveland the other night where he scored 44 on 7 out of 19. He was hitting everything at the time. You had Chris Boucher, good two-way play, playing well at the rim, stepped out and hit a three, playing defense. Um, fourth quarter comes, and it's the Knicks just embarrassing themselves. You know, down, I think there was at one point they were down about seven points when Malachi Flynn, a rookie I was high on in the draft, um, he hits a corner three-pointer. But eventually, you come back from break, from the commercial, and Breen said they took the three away um, on some bullshit reach of a call. I mean, they were showing it. I saw the picture, the video, the clip. You can't overturn that. I don't. It was almost like during the commercial break. It was almost like Thibodeau went over to the officials and greased them up a bit. It was just like so random, out of the blue. We're gonna change a call that is not even. Decise, you you can't, it's not, uh, what do they call it? What do they call it when they say they can't overturn the call in, in, in uh, baseball all the time? The UK uses this word. Definitive? I think. It was not. It was like, you can't change that call. But they did. They took the Milwaukee Flynn 3 away. And that kind of changed the momentum a bit as soon as they did. And you had later on RJ uh, for that breakaway dunk to tie to 87. Um, Randall. Gets fouled, hits a, hits a couple of free throws. He puts the Knicks up two points. You had Burks hitting that big three, triple B. Uh, putting the Knicks up five. That was a really beautiful possession, too. That Burks three didn't just come off of him creating, but this one came off of some beautiful around-the-horn ball movement. Uh, the Knicks swung it around the right side, the strong side, and it ended up going back to Burks at the top of the key. He drills the three. Beautiful shot. Puts the Knicks up five. Then they kind of left the Raptors open for a bit. The Knicks started leaving them open for wide open threes. Um, you know, Tibbs' scheme is to, to funnel his defenders into the middle. And that shit's going to give me a giant heart attack one day. Because these wide open threes late in games, I get it. You're playing the percentages, right? You, you, you did it the other night against the Celtics and it didn't work with Marcus Smart. But playing the numbers, man, the numbers game is a scary game to play. But we've been doing it this year, and it's been working. You know, a lot of people were concerned at one point, is it going to catch up to them? Well, we're almost 60 games in, and it's not yet. Not yet. But, who? Uh, we were getting lucky. Um, fortunately, they were missing them. But they did kind of make a bit of a run eventually. But it was like, it was a, it was a Lowry... A really tough driving layup from Kyle Lowry once he checked back in. He brought it back. I think he brought the Raptors back within one. Uh, but fortunately, that's where you get R.J. Broadway Barrett 
with the corner tray ball, corner spot up to put the Knicks up two possessions, and that was game, really. Uh, another night where RJ hits a big shot, you know. And I know he had the turnover in that Celtics game, but he did hit big shots there. Then he hit the big shots in the Grizzlies game for the win. And then he hits the big shot here against Toronto for the win. Hitting some really big shots. He has become their closer. And in this one, he has 19 points. 7 out of 12 from the field. 3 out of 6 from 3-point distance. Um, he, he's, he After this game, after the Raptors game, he got his 3-ball all the way up to 39%. Which is comical to me. I still can't wrap my head around that. Now tonight, or, or last night, the Lakers game, he, he missed a few. So it probably went down a, a bit, but... It was, if you rounded it, it was up to 39%, just a smidge below 40%. Could you imagine if he can get to that? I was talking about this guy. All I wanted him to do was hit one out of every three. Maybe peak out at 35% was my expectations. He's he's almost, he's, he's nearing 40. Um, now, I hope law of averages doesn't kind of come back to bite him in the ass and he eventually goes all the way back down there, but... I don't think he's going to be... I think he's at least safe to say he's a capable shooter. I don't think he is what he was at the start of this season where he was hitting 18% right during that 0 for 20-something rough patch he went through. He was all the way down to 18.5% early in the year. But he's he was up to 39% after this Raptors game. So he was great, um, and it was a great win. Noel had a big game defensively. Taj had a big game defensively. Uh, but Nerlens had 13 boards, five offensive rebounds, and that was just as much as the entire Toronto team had. So, good defense, led by Randall, RJ chipping in in the clutch, and a good, solid Knicks victory. That was game 54 of the season. Yeah. Alright, so we will head to break, and we're going to talk about game 55 against the Los Angeles Lakers. As soon as we get back. Hey, fellas. So really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog, or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, so you get this one, the Knicks win this 111.96. They pick up their third straight victory. Getting back to over 500. Um, and they do all this on a second night of a back-to-back. This was the second night of that back-to-back there. So that was impressive. Um, you know what was really impressive? In this one, the Knicks. Such good defense. Right? Such good defense. Listen to this. That LeBron James and Anthony Davis... Did not score a single point combined. That's impressive. Not a single point from LeBron James and Anthony Davis in this 
to 96, Knicks victory over the Lakers. Not only did they have no points, they had no rebounds, they had no assists, they had no blocks, no steals. They were just, they didn't have any stats. And you have to attribute the Knicks defense there. Facts don't lie. Guys, look at the, look at the box score. Facts don't lie. Isn't that Shapiro, is that, is that Shapiro's thing? <laughs> or is that like uh, facts don't hurt your feelings or some shit like that? <laughs> That's Shapiro, isn't it? <laughs> hey. Good deal. Oh, no, but in all seriousness, the Knicks did really play good defense. They're de I mean, we're going to start with that. They're, they're fucking defense, man. I'm so proud of it. I mean, come on already. They're so relentless, just suffocating, high intensity, tough. They are so tough. I it's it, it, I don't want to say it. I hesitate to say it because I don't want to make that comparison and have people be like, oh, what are you talking about? They're nothing like that. But it reminds you, you know, and I've heard other people say it. So I'm, I'm not, this isn't, this isn't me making this up. It reminds you that the Knicks are bringing defense back from that, you know, from that 90s gritty Knicks team. It, not in terms of how good they are, but in terms of their style. They're bringing that style back where they're playing tough, where they're being led by the defense. It's that inside interior grit and grind type of defense they play. The big men are playing. It, it reminds you of that. And they fought, guys, in this Lakers game, they forced 25 turnovers they had nine blocks, 14 steals, and they held the Lakers to 16 less points in the paint. Um, but yeah, the big men you have to attribute first and foremost. Nas, uh, Naj. No, that's actually a good name for their for their duo. Naj. I like that. Naj, or we can go Toel. <laughs> I like I like Naj. Noel and Taj. Naj. They were tremendous. They were phenomenal. Um, you know, they held Andre Drummond to just three points. Three points in 25 minutes for Andre Drummond. And you thought, that was one of my concerns. Heading into this game, you know, I saw Andre Drummond, 280 pounds. You know, he's got about 50 or 60 pounds of muscle on Nerlens. Um, You know, he's got a slender frame, Nerlens does. T uh, Taj is, is old, and he's more of a traditional power forward. So I, I thought Drummond was going to give us a lot of issues, especially with him being that number one option with, with or I thought he was going to be with uh, LeBron and AD sitting out with the injuries. But it ends up, they hold him to three points in 25 minutes. I mean, they were great. Noel, act, Noel's hands, listen, he's got cement for hands, but that, that helps on defense. He was so active on every loose ball. He had his hands on the ball, forcing a ton of loose balls, just tipping him up, crashing the glass extra hard. Um, and, and Taj, with that big second quarter that he had, just attacking the glass and scoring from the low block, too. It was great. And those two, at the end of the night, combined for 19 rebounds, 6 steals, 5 blocks, and they also totaled 14 points together. But just the way, and I said this on Twitter earlier, um, the way he and Taj have defended the pick and roll this year, man, the way they've executed that drop coverage, so excellent, superb. 
they have executed the drop so well. They, they, you know, Mitch was a bit inconsistent with it in his rookie year once Mike Miller started running it with him, but he got really, he really got used to it before he went down with the injuries this year. So that was my concern. How, how, how are Nerlens and Taj going to be able to handle these pick and rolls? But they're really executing in this drop coverage that Thibodeau has often thrown out there. You know, those penetrating guards used to destroy us. They used to obliterate us down the middle in dribble penetration. But it's not become as much of an issue with uh, Naj out there. You know, our communication defensively has been so much better. Our rotating has been so crisp. Never like before. Never like under any other coach. Under Tom Thibodeau, Knicks are communicating. They're rotating so well. It's impressive, you know, so being able to ice out pick and rolls now and, you know, to be able to shade those PNRs to the side and, and be able to do our jobs that way and play this style of defense, it's, it's very impressive. Very impressive. Just an aggressive scheme of defense by Thibodeau that's really working, right? The Knicks love to, and this is everybody, they love to force bad decisions they love, you know, forcing those cross court passes a lot. You know, they'll, they'll swarm. They will swarm the strong side of the court, and they'll have a defender shading over to the weak side, ready to rotate if the pass is executed. And if it is, it happened tonight or last night with RJ forcing Drummond to that cross court. That turns into a turnover. Reggie steals it. He intercepts the pass from from Drummond. RJ pressured him. Drummond threw it. Reggie got the steal, and he. Tossed it to RJ on the break, and RJ gave it to Noel as the trailer who slammed it down. Shit like that is helping them thrive defensively, and defense turns into offense. And that's why I wish the Knicks would run more. I wish they would run more. They they don't play as great in transition as I thought they, they should. They have some personnel for it, but I am so impressed with their defense to be able to pressure opposing ball handlers so well and execute this scheme that Tom Thibodeau has them going. He, he's got them running a, a very, very, I don't want to say intricate because it's not intricate, but it's definitely more, it's actually, it's it's more simple than what David Fisdale had. David Fisdale had, had them doing intricate shit, but Tom Thibodeau, it's more simple if you really think about it. Just play hard and execute his scheme. You know, whether that be funneling guys to the middle on those three-point shots or, again, shading pick-and-rolls to the side when you use that drop coverage or the ice coverage. It works. It really, it's been working great. And they're playing their percentage. They know what they're, he, know, he knows what he's doing. It's working really good. There's, just, there's constant movement. Guys are constantly moving defensively. It's so wonderful, so great. I, I can't say enough about it. I really can't. I am so happy with the way he has gotten this team to defend. So anyway, first quarter, Knicks-Lakers. Right out of the gate, they're playing that suffocating defense we just talked about. Uh, I think four out of the five starters, all but Randall, were picking up steals. But Randall, meanwhile, was doing his thing offensively. He was in his bag. Um, He, you know, while the Knicks were were in the lanes playing, playing... Suffocating defense in the lanes. You had Randall digging in his bag. I think he made his first four shots. 
you know, that beautiful step back with that beautiful high arcing shot, that rainbow arc. He hits his first four. He ends up scoring 13 points in the period. Um, at one point, he leads the Knicks um, on a 10-0 run. Not by himself, but he did score the majority of those points during that run. Um, the Knicks looking really good. But towards the end of that quarter there, you had Dennis Schroeder. I think he led the Lakers with 21. He starts cooking. He actually gets hurt. He gets hurt. He hurts himself. And he ends up just torturing us after the injury. He stays on the court and he just torches us. And, you know, by using his speed on the dribble drive, he starts going off. And it's like a 10-2 to 2 run by himself. Um, and by the end of the quarter, the Knicks are down a couple points. Uh, but the second quarter comes and the Knicks finally find some offense. You know, they find a source of offense outside of Julius. You've got EP. Got to give him credit for his second consecutive night in attack mode. On his way to 20 points. You have Rose on his way to 14 points. Both of those guys in double figures by halftime. Rose playing really good on-ball defense, too. He had that one block on McLemore from the corner three. Chased him down and got the swap. And again, like I said, Taj was impeccable in that second quarter. Hitting the glass and putting in those easy layups down low. From the dunker spot. Um, you know, the Knicks ended up going into the half up three points. And it was pretty surprising given that they were just one for 11 from three and given that RJ Barrett had zero points. You know, the Lakers did a really nice job on RJ this game, taking away his, uh, his dribble drive. And so we go up three points at the half, regardless. Third quarter comes at the start of it. You have Julius starting to press a lot. He's pressing and, you know, Breen kind of called him out for it. You know, not playing like he usually does. Said Breen, something along those lines, paraphrasing. But Randall has five of the, five out of his seven turnovers come in the third quarter. Most of them early in the third. Uh, but fortunately, the Lakers couldn't find the bottom of the net. They could not hit the bottom of the ocean if they tried. Is that the term? Is that the, uh, the saying? <laughs> but um, they were missing everything. They missed six out of those seven threes in the quarter. And the Knicks kept defending them well. And meanwhile, you had Reggie Bullock finally getting on the board. Um, he gets his first two three-pointers to go successfully. Uh, Peyton staying aggressive. So, I think he had RJ finally get on the board there with the field goal. About five minutes left or something like that. He gets on the board. And the Knicks enter the fourth quarter up 13 points. Fourth quarter, it was a good team effort to close this one out. Uh, the defense remained very steady, very strong. And offensively, Knicks were getting a lot of guys to chip in. Seven different players put up points in that quarter. You had Emmanuel quickly, kind of putting the goodnight kiss on it. Hitting that and one floater with about seven minutes left in the quarter. And after that, you know, during the... Um, right after that and one, uh, Vogel puts his reserves in. And that's game. So... A good game. Again, led by Randall, led by the defense. And, and cyberbullying works, kids. <laughs> cyberbullying works. Alfred Payton. Whenever it happens, he goes off. He had a nice game, man. He played a really good game. You know, he he, he lived in the paint, right? He didn't take any... He, he, he played his normal game. He played the way he usually does. He lived in the paint. 
He didn't take any threes. He was just two for four from the free throw stripe, whatever. But he played his own game. He picked his spots. He penetrated. And the only difference was he improved his efficiency. He made the shots he took because he picked better spots. Um, so that's two games in a row where he has a good scoring night on over 50% shooting. Um, and listen, it's the same thing, right? It's the same exact thing. You keep running this guy out there every game. He's eventually going to run into some good ones here and there. And that's what happens. You know, and I hate how we he- I hate how we how we keep having to go through this cycle because people keep falling for it. It's like this is literally every every two weeks we go through this same exact cycle where Peyton has a good game, the fans start turning, and they're like, Oh, well, if he can do this more often, I won't hate him. But he doesn't do it often. Then he goes on a stretch where he's his the law of averages take place, and then a couple weeks later. He goes off for another couple of good games in a row. Knicks fans, hey, if he did this more often, you know what? We should start him. Keep starting him because, you know, maybe he'll do it again. It's it's like, it's what do you call that? There's a word for it. I know there's a quote. There's an Einstein quote. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But it's like Knicks fans forget. This is who he is. This is who his entire career has been. This is he. This is how it works. When you're a bad player... Any, any player can have a good stretch. Even bad players, like Peyton. A bad st- I'll call him a bad starting point guard. Okay, I don't want to be too mean. Even bad starting point guards. Okay, the worst starting point guard in the game will have games like this. You know, for Peyton. It, it, it happens to everybody. You can get hot. It happens. But most of the time, a large percentage of the time, he's going to continue being him. Like I give him a tough time, a, a tough time, because the only thing he's supposed to be decent at, not supposed, the only thing he's supposedly, that's the better word, the only thing Alfred Payton is supposedly decent at, he's regressed in immensely this season, right? The, the facilitating has not been great this year. Last year, he averaged, what, seven assists a night? This year, he's down to three assists per game. As somebody who only scores like that once in a blue moon, that can't be a thing with the assists. You know, that kind of tunnel vision that he's had this year, that can't happen when he's only going 9 out of 12 or whatever every couple of weeks or XX amount of days. That's why Knicks fans get on him. And the defense part, the playing solid defense isn't enough. It's not enough to justify it. And you people want to get on Emmanuel quickly about consistency? You want to say, well, you know, quickly's not, he's very inconsistent. That's why he doesn't get minutes. That's why he doesn't get enough starts. Screw off with the hypocrisy, please. Seriously. And at least IQ has a ceiling. He's got upside as a scorer. Right? There's an offensive threat there. People are scared when he's outside that three-point line. Defenses respect him. He can pull up from 30 when he's hot. Plus, he doesn't turn it over often. <laughs> you know? And, and But, you know, his play has... It sucks, because he, he struggled again last night. Um, didn't get many minutes, though. Short minutes, but... His play IQ has tapered off a bit. Um, last couple of weeks. And for a few reasons, you know. I'm sure he's... A lot of it has to do, like we said, it's the quick leash and the inconsistent minutes is one. Uh, but some others, you know, I'm sure 
He's got some tired legs. You know, the, that's why he's missing more free throws lately. That's why the three ball's not falling. I'm sure the legs are a bit tired. Um, but the scouting reports, right? Defenses now know how to cover him. He doesn't have the deepest arsenal, right? It's the deep three ball. Um, but you go over the screen there, you can get him there. Um, and, and, and it's, they know that the, the, when he's, when he's, when he's playing in between, they know that the the bigs know that floater's coming. So what they do is they will step into his drives and he's, that, that forces him to throw it up from a longer distance, that floater. And it's obviously a lower percentage. So, and they're also used to, you know, they, they know that, 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 you know, that quick pull up to try and draw that foul is coming. So he hasn't exactly been doing that as much lately. So the scouting report's kind of out there on quickly. So that's just part of a rookie. That's part of growing pains. You're going to have to learn how to grow and develop new moves. That's why Clyde is constantly saying how he needs a jump shot. He needs a mid-range jump shot. Something to, you know, go to when that floater isn't on. Um, but he's been a bit off lately. Not concerned there. You know, I just think it's it's a shot selection thing. It's Again, it's a scouting report. It's just how it's the ebbs and flows of the basketball game. Uh, but it was good to see Julius. That was my biggest takeaway from that game. It was good to see Julius Randle. You know, he's been scoring all year, but back with an efficient performance. 34 points on 13 out of 23 versus his former team. Former team in the Lakers. Um, but yeah, he was back over 50%, which I love to see. You know, he hasn't been over 50% since April 3rd against the Pistons. That's been a bit. That's a, that's a few games right there. Um, and he wasn't as passive last night. You know, like he's been lately. He's kind of been passive from that three-point line. He's kind of not taking those shots that he usually does because the legs just aren't there for him right now. Um, but he wasn't really passive. He was he was in, in attack mode. He was playing bully ball. You know, he wasn't looking to pass much. Um, the only rough thing, again, were those turnovers in the third quarter. But overall, he did a nice job bullying whoever was tasked with him. Lakers, yeah, they tasked a, a couple of people with Randall, but they they had no interior defender to really stop him. You know, Morris was on him. Uh, he that was his assignment most of the night, but he couldn't. Wesley Matthews, Wesley Matthews was on him for a few times. He couldn't do it. Kuzma, he couldn't do it. At the end of that third quarter, Randall popped a three in Caruso's face like he didn't even fucking exist. <laughs> you know, if they doubled, he'd swing it. But they didn't double him a ton. They tried switching Drummond on him a couple of times, but Randall just, you know, took him on the perimeter. So they couldn't get him. He was he was he was in his bag, he was going. Uh, so it was a nice bounce back for Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett, whatever the opposite of a bounce back is, struggled. You know, he was he was off. Uh, nothing fell, just two for 11. Um, Lakers were, again, they were, you know, pressuring him so he couldn't really get that dribble drive going. Uh, they were swarming him every time he touched the ball on the drive there. And, um, uh, the corner spot-ups were not falling. They were closing out on him pretty hard. So I think the next step for him is to get those threes off quicker. Eventually, it would be nice to see him take a couple threes off the bounce. But it's baby steps. You know, right now, I'm just happy he's hitting them. 
Um, but, you know, what I liked is he didn't force it. Only 11 shots. He didn't force it. He just didn't have it. There's a difference. He was playmaking pretty good in that first quarter. Looked like he was on his way to a big assist game. It happens a lot where he gets a lot of assists in the first. But kind of tapers off. Um, but whatever. He's been killing it. He's gonna, he, he was bound for an off night. But did you guys see that stat after the Raptors game? It was floating around Twitter. Um, everywhere. Um, it was it was that he's 5 for 10. RJ Barrett is 5 for 10 this season on field goals with under 2 minutes to go into the 4th or overtime to tie or take the lead. Pretty damn impressive. That right there. He's our closer. He is our closer. Uh, Julius hasn't exactly been the most clutch. You know, he may have hit, he may have hit a few. You know, but in those final moments, I, I I want RJ taking him not just because he's been successful, but because he's this is how he's going to learn. Twenty years old, and to be able to do this, it, that's ballsy. This dude is cold. I told you guys, he's a cold-blooded dude. He's got no pulse. You look at his poker face; he doesn't change emotion. He he looks and sounds like he's bored as hell. That's the way to go. No emotion. Nothing phases this kid. So I'm sure he's going to bounce back. There's also a quiet night from Reggie Bullock uh, from three-point distance at least. He had 12 points, but some of that was padded later in the game. Um, you know, Randall wasn't really looking to pass, so I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. They have a really good one-two game. Um, but Randall was, again, no double, so he was taking advantage of those mismatches, and Reggie wasn't getting those catch-and-shoots. And obviously Reggie Bullock is not a guy who creates. He's got no creation tools. He's strictly their 3-and-D catch-and-shoot wing. Um, but, you know, off night for him, whatever. Rose, a good night, but the trend kind of continues. A better first-half player than he is a second-half player. You know, tired legs, late again. But he was great as their lead ball handler in that first half. Um, you know, he was creating for the Knicks. He was a force on the drives, as per usual. And it was that, that was, that was that. It was a good Victory for the Knicks. So, Knicks pick it up. Three in a row. Sweeping the homestand. Back to 28-27 and 27 on the season. Still in the eighth spot. So, they haven't exactly moved. But, they have gained some breathing room with the teams below them. You know, now uh, a few more games back. So, listen, there was a thing on, uh, apparently, Windhorse tweeted it. Saying how the Knicks are best off getting a lower seating as one of those play-in teams. This way they can get a lottery pick, a higher a higher pick, while still having a chance to contend in the postseason. And that right there, I saw that tweet. I'm like, this is exactly why I hate outside people. I like this this is it. That's why I hate the outsiders. They don't know. They know nothing about the culture that the Knicks are trying to develop. What we are trying to develop here, it's not what they see. They see it as they, they have tunnel vision. They have Alfred Payton tunnel vision. They don't see it other than straightforward. They, they don't see the other avenues here. The Knicks are trying to win. They're trying to get back on the winning track. They're not going to fuck around with tanking and trying to get lower seating. Do not play with fire. Do not play with fire. Because you start doing this shit, you never know what happens. You could get yourself into trouble. You know? The Knicks haven't made the playoffs in how many fucking years? 
2013? I want to go back to the fucking garden and watch a playoff game. I want to be back in those seats like I was when they played the Celtics and Melo went off for 36 that one game in 2013. I want to be able to witness that again. I want to be able to witness them playing in the second round again. I want to see them play in the playoffs. So I just want to see them make the playoffs and play there. I don't want them fucking around trying to lay back just to get a lottery pick and, and slip in at the same time. That's risky. That is risky. You build a winning culture by, get this, winning. You win as many games as you can. That's how you do it. So to, to do that strategy, if you want to call it that, is the most cowardly thing in the world. That goes against who this team is. They're a fearless bunch with balls. That just made me so pissed off, dude. And how often does that work? Do you really want the Knicks to, to risk it all and get picky when they should just be happy that they're in contention here to make the playoffs? No. Keep winning every game, every single game you can. Keep playing with house money. Do your thing. And if you get to the playoffs at 4, at 5, and you don't get that pick, whatever. You know, whatever. You're, 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 you're proud of the year you had. You've developed an attractive product now anyways for free agency. So that's also a factor now too. But please do not stop talking about them tanking to get a better seating. That could go disastrous. Tanking is toxic. You all know my, my take on that shit. But to hear about this from, from Windhorse, it's just like... This is who this is who the outside the you know, those journalists who don't know the inside outs of this organization right now and what they're trying to do. Let's not talk about what's best for them. What's best is 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 for them to keep winning as many games as they possibly can. And I, and I think they're going to. I think there's no way Tom Thibodeau's squad is going to fucking sink. Let's be real here. I mean, I mean, let's be let's be fucking realistic here. The Knicks aren't doing that bullshit. They're not even close. To doing that, so I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident we'll be fine there. Um, that's it, that's it, guys. Um, Pelicans next. That game is, um, as you're listening to this, it's 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 a Wednesday, so we have the Pelicans up tonight. As you're listening to this, um, Randall, another former team, two of his former teams in a row. So maybe he'll continue to to play well. He admitted it. He he likes to step it up during these games. So hopefully you can have another good performance. Um. Pelicans are talented, right? They've got a lot of talent. They've got who we like. They've got Lonzo. Um, who's going to be coming home in this summer, right, Lonzo? Uh, they've got Brandon Ingram. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of him. Obviously, they've got Zion. They've got a talented squad, but they're beatable. They're a beatable team. They've been up and down all year. And, um, you know, from what I know about them, I don't know too much about how they play, but I do know that they're not much of a shooting team. And that they score a lot of their points inside, down low. Zion's got a lot to do with that. Um, they they rebound very well. They generate a lot of attempts at the free throw line. And that they're also not a very great defensive team. Um, so the Knicks have a shot. And again, this one's on the road in New Orleans. Louisiana. Peyton going back to his hometown. Or his home state, at least. And Mitch, but he'll be on the bench. So, um, that's it. That's it, guys. So, can we finally get this four-game winning streak? <laughs> I, I gotta check, because I feel like... 
I feel like we had a five-game win streak earlier in the year before we knew this team was going to be as good as they are. I just feel, but people were talking about it that we don't have this four-game win streak yet, so maybe we don't have it. But I want to see if I can find it really quick without taking too long. That's going to take too long. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. Um, a winnable, a winnable game up next. Regardless, this is a winnable game if we execute. We can walk away with the victory. Um, hopefully, R.J. Barrett can bounce back. And hopefully, Julius continues to go off on his former teams here and drops a, another robust a robust 30 points on, uh, what was he? he, was 13 for 23 from the floor against L.A. So, something similar. Randall versus Zion is going to be fun if they pair up or go head-to-head. -head. You know, I always call Zion, I call Zion an athletic version of Randall. Who can dunk? <laughs> All right. So let's head to the question of the day. We're going to head to break one last time. When we get back, we will get to the NYY, NYK question of the day. Be right back. Hey, fellas. So really quick, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, or subscribe to my blog, or follow me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. All right, let's get to it. So last time out, in, in, in the NYY NYK question of the day for episode 231 my question to you guys which team did Alex Rodriguez slug his 500th career home run on the hint I gave you was that it came in August of 2007 and the answer to that question a-Rod hit his 500th career homer against the Kansas City Royals back in August of 07. In the KC Royals, he did it again. I think I remember him doing it against them, obviously, but I think I remember him doing it. I think I remember watching it. Yeah. All right. Tonight, for episode 232, our NYY NYK question of the day. What significant moment happened for the New York Knicks on June 5th in 1999? All right. What significant moment happened for the Knicks on June 5th, 1999? Now, it may seem like a random, difficult to answer kind of question, but it's one of them where if you know it, you know it. If you know this question, you know it. And if you don't know it, you deserve to not answer this right. <laughs> this is one that you should know if you're a diehard old school Knicks fan. So, one last time, our NYYMYK question of the day for episode 232. 232. Brought to you by Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. Anchor.fm or download the Anchor app. 
create your own podcast there for free, and they pay you just for reading an advertisement like I'm doing right here, right now. What significant moment happened for the Knicks on June 5th, 1999? All right, so message me the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can DM me on any one of those platforms. Or you can just comment the answer once I publish this podcast to those social media outlets. You could just comment the answer to the question. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this uh, this episode of the podcast. This is episode, once again, episode 232 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I am your host, RJ Carbone. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do that right now. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and uh, Anchor. And many more, many more feeds as well. And if you want to follow me on social media, you want to subscribe to the blog I write. I write a good blog on the Yankees and the Knicks where I discuss, uh, break down the recaps of their games. All that information is on my link tree. So I'm sure you've heard it by now, but if you haven't yet, Go to my link tree. Go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Once again, once more, that is linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Guys, thanks so much. And I'll see you in episode 233 where we're talking about this disappointing Yankees team that is so far on track to miss the playoffs while the Knicks are on track to make it. (laughs) All right, I'll see you then, Joe. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.